We're going to be in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27 is one of those chapters that really, when you read it, you look at it and you think to yourself, like, wow, what a depressing chapter. And unfortunately, when you read it, you might even say to yourself that, wow, I have actually experienced this, or I've witnessed somebody experience this. And that gives you the truth of the Bible, because the Bible is a factual book of things that happened and things that continue to happen. In chapter 26, the previous chapter, it was kind of a recap of, of Isaac, the son of Abraham, who, who took on some, uh, some similar tactics of his father Abraham. And what I mean by that is if you were with us in chapter 26, you could go back and you could see the moves of Isaac, how he, he was called to the uh, Philistine territory of Gerar. And he was living over there as God had told him to. And and so he was he was living there with Rebecca, but he told Rebecca that I want you to tell whoever asks that you are my sister, not my wife, because when they see you, they're going to kill me and they're going to take you. And that's exactly what Abraham did twice with Sarah, his wife, because she too was beautiful. And then the people and the kings of that region would have taken her and put and killed Abraham. That was very true, but unfortunately, the lies were involved. And so Isaac, unfortunately, did the same thing. And there were some issues in regards to some wells that were dug. Isaac was blessed. And, and he had dug some wells in the neighborhood over there in that area. Uh, three different wells. And uh, his neighbors didn't really quite like the idea that the wells he dug were su- successful. So they went ahead and destroyed them. They piled rocks and dirt into them and kept kept them from being used, which was really a foolish thing if you think about it. But it was, in their idea, it was a plot, a plot against him because of his success. Well, we're going to see something again in the same demeanor between the brothers of Jacob and Esau, the twins, the twin sons of, of Isaac and Rebekah. And to explain a little bit about 27, it was regards to the blessing which Esau had given up. Esau was the firstborn. He was to receive, by, by rights, he was to receive the blessing of the inheritance of his father. But Esau had given that up to Jacob over hunger. Jacob went ahead and pulled a fast one on him and said, Well, I tell you what, I'll give you a bowl a bowl of this porridge that I made, this stew, in order for, for you to give up your birthright. It's yours. And he did it. He said, Well, what do I care about it? I'm going to die one day. So he gave it up. So now it comes time. Some years have gone by. Now it comes time to where Isaac thought that his time was up. And so he was going to go ahead and give the blessings to the wrong son, but some some devious things came up here. It's kind of a sad thing, though, when you look at the big picture. But when you look at things back then, what what were the blessings? How did these things work, right? They They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have mutual funds. They didn't have investment stocks. They didn't have any of these things that, that we would look at today. The, the wealth in these ancient days was determined by somebody's uh, possessions of such things, such as like livestock and animals, um, possibly the house that you lived in, the land that you owned, uh, the amount of servants that you had working for you. That was, that was what showed the wealth 
of that particular person, which Abraham was extremely wealthy in. And Isaac had inherited the wealth of his father Abraham. So, these two sons were twins. And what the plan was on God's end was is that Esau was not to, to receive the blessing. It was Jacob. And this was known to the parents. This was really known to everybody. But we're going to see what happens here. How people take things on their own accord. And again, I pray that, that again that we will see... That we will see the big picture in things. Because again, this is not just some story. This was an event that happens. And this is unfortunately an event that seems to kind of continue in our modern day. And I hope and pray that that, that prevention can be used. That, that blessings can be seen. Lessons can be learned. Because the word of God is not just about reading stories and, and, and just... Uh, Thinking to ourselves, like, oh, okay, well, I have the knowledge of this. It, it, it pertains to so much more. It pertains to, to things that we use every day. It pertains to things that we don't want to be doing. It pertains to what God said to do. It pertains to so much because what we see in God's Word is God's mind, God's heart, God's hands, His works, all of it. He exposes himself through his word. And so I pray that we will be able to continue to see more of him as time goes on. But I've said before that you really can't say you know who God is until you've read the whole Bible front and back. Because many like to say they know, they know of him, but they don't know him. And there is the big difference. Let's get started in chapter 27 of Genesis. And we're going to do some good reading here today as I start in verses 1 through 10. It says, Now and it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats. And I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. <laughs> One thing unknown to us was that was every what was everyday life like in that family you know with what we have just seen that would be the question right there is what was everyday life like for them and we had seen in chapter 25 when these twin brothers were born that God spoke to Rebekah that the older brother Esau would serve the younger Jacob and as they got older it spoke of the parents showing favor between the two Okay, Rebecca favored Jacob because he was, it said that he was more of the homebody. He most likely spent uh, most of his time with his mom. 
where Isaac favored Esau because he was a skilled hunter and he was really good with the game that he made. And and so these parents kind of had their own particular favorites over these over these uh, dealings here. Esau being extremely hungry, as I mentioned, he gave up the birthright for the red lentil stew. And that was the start of the downfall for Esau. Second, he married two women that were of the Hittites. Okay, so not a good thing having not a good thing having one pagan wife, but he took on two. And over the years, some people chuckled at this event as they envisioned Isaac on his deathbed, not able to see clearly. And so he thinks that, it, that it's Esau that he's talking to. You know, Rebecca, their mother, plans this whole scheme. Jacob was her favorite, and Isaac wanted to give Esau the blessing, knowing that it wasn't to be to him. Everyone acted on their own accord and their free will. God promised Jacob... But by human emotion and panic, you know, Rebecca figured she would act fast and take matters into her own hands. And when we see Isaac's demeanor, uh, you know, on, on, on go out and get me some of my favorite game to eat, and I will give you the blessing. Okay, we're seeing wrong from all around in the parents here. When God had a purpose within their future. God gives us the desires of our hearts if it's in his will, though, you know. But our methods should never overtake our integrity. Integrity speaks volumes here. You know, and it helps protect from sinful actions. It profits our children and our families, and most of all, it keeps us in God's good graces. Now, what would seem comical is, is the fact that I, as Isaac thought he was on his deathbed, he carried on for, for many more years. I believe 43 more years to be exact. God's timing is definitely not ours. But what we do with the time given to us will be on us. And as we continue, it gets better in verse 11. Now, verse 11 through 17 and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, get them for me. And he went and got them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So as we see this, all around motives were again wrong. You know, Isaac giving the blessing to Esau, Rebekah knowing that uh, what was being done was willing to take the fall. Uh, Jacob went for it. You know, as a grown man listening to the corrupt advice by a bad parent, <laughs> Esau was going to receive it knowing that he gave up the blessing of the birthright. Uh, Rebekah was a crafty one. You know, Esau was a hairy guy. It was he was hairy from birth. That's uh, he was born hairy. That's what his name means. Was hairy. So so let's put some goat skins on your arms, and and wear your brother's hunting garments that your dad will never know. You know, some of these comedy movies you see with this kind of stuff was being done long before any of what we've seen on these movies. 
Okay, we're going to see more things in the Bible. So before credit is ever given to the clever wit of a writer or a creator of a movie, it was being done long before that in the Bible uh, by the true clever ones. Let's see them pull off this stunt from the ancient times, right? So this is by no means condoned, though. But the honesty of the documented acts in the Bible is proof of its reality. The unfortunate reality of the life of people, in the heart of people, the mind of people, and, and last is the actions of people. You know, the work of God never has to rely on scheming. No work should rely on such. But, you know, people rely on their own deviousness to get what they want. If, if we run things in a family according to God and the scriptures, we will see the benefits. If we don't, then we will see the consequences. You know, setting our minds on things of heaven and God are the keys to many blessings that we forgot on a daily basis. We had Isaac and Rebecca who were close to God. And yet they allowed their integrity to fall and relied on their own deceit. It's amazing what, what money and power and position will do to even to those who are of God. Everyone is susceptible to these things. See, I've always prayed over spiritually, uh, spirituality over power and position on earth. And I do so after witnessing these things from the Bible that, that come to life. It's, it's a sad thing. Because we see it everywhere we go. We, we see it in our families, as we will see. We will see it in our workplaces. And I think the hardest pill to swallow is seeing it in our churches. In God's households on earth. And so we can't escape it when it comes to being around it. But we can keep clear of it by staying the course into the scriptures and into the closeness with God. But we see the how susceptible man is when it comes to these things. I mean, godly parents blatantly, blatantly doing things on their own will is not what God had in mind. Now let's continue in verse 18 to 27. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near me that I may feel you, my son. Whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac and his father, and he felt him when he said, the voice, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he drank him wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. 
And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. (laughs) You know, this chapter has a lot to do with the explanation of scenarios here. But when it comes down to looking intently at what happened and what could have happened or should have happened if it were done by God's way versus man's deceit. We've all heard the old saying that you reap what you sow, and it's an old saying because it was a biblical saying, and it was a true saying. A lot of people like to engage in relational theology, and that is basically a concern of how can I get something out of the Bible for myself, for me and myself. The things that are, what can I get out of it that's going to pump me up? When the Bible indeed also shows us what we don't want in our lives. So it's not just a, it's not just about what can I get out of it for myself and what can I get out of it for me. The Bible also shows us what we want, what we would want to avoid. And this chapter is a perfect example. And, and now the fact that God is, is all knowing of everything, every mind, every heart and action to come, We must remember that he does not condone the things that we see that were being done. Jacob got the blessing, but there was a cost. You know, he did not see his mother again. She did say, let the curse of the action fall on her, and part of the result was on what was sown. We also know that Esau wanted to kill Jacob, And I mentioned before that Esau was the founder of the nation of Edom in Jordan, which was a bitter enemy of Israel and which was Jacob's inheritance, as we had uh, geographical bitterness even. You know, Jacob gets deceived by his own uncle down the line. He faced exile from his family for many years. He received the birthright, but could it have been different if the Lord was waited on? You know, waited on God and and waited for God to work his way on his time. Is there the belief of, I'm I'm going to just take the plunge and God will take care of it? Yes. It's done all the time. And this is a good example here. God delivered, but the scars were visible. There were some cases where some were not delivered, though. See, the biblical text says to seek God and pray. All over the Bible. And we can observe their lives of those who did not seek God. We can always see the results of that. But you know, praise God for his word. Which gave us the examples to show us how he works. He he has delivered people from, from the dangers. But again... How much better is it when we seek him first and and we do what he says when he says to do it? That's what God wants and that's what his word says. So the question is, is what, what's going to be done with it? Well, we learn from the examples of, of Jacob and, and, and the family here. Now let's take a look here at verse uh, 28 through 40. And he said, Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. 
Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He was also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit, and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and now, look, he has taken away my blessing? And he has said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also. O my father, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. You know, hearing this reminds me of bitter family feuds that were had due to inheritance money. You know, someone was favored, uh, the other feels they deserved it all, and now destruction is the result. You know, how someone reacts to a moral dilemma will show the real motives. Now here during this time before a father died, he would perform the ceremonial blessing to the rightful heir, officially handing it over. And after a birthright was given, see, it was it was irreversible once done. Or a blessing, I should say. The, the, the blessing was irreversible once done. A person's word was binding then in these days. Uh, this day, not so much. But the reason for Esau's demeanor was because he knew that there was no going back and no change could be done. Uh, the mindset was in panic and trauma mode as he claimed that Jacob took the birthright. See, a few chapters back, we had seen that he didn't take it. Esau gave it up willingly. The tears were not of repentance, but of bitterness and anger. You know, as he asked for a blessing, give me something. What was said to him seems to be the opposite of a blessing, though. That he will live of the fatness of the earth, relying on the dew above, and will have to live by the sword. And I mentioned the future dwelling place of Esau's descendants in Edom. See, the land eventually becomes desolate, as it was already desolate, but uh, they were dwellers of the desert, and eventually a race that was to be no more. When you look at uh, King Herod in the New Testament and his family, they were the last of the Edomite line in the days of the New Testament. And, and their end was not a pleasant ending. See, when we look at Esau's legacy... 
and years later, over a thousand years, his name came up in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, and it'll be in verses 12 through 17. I'll go ahead and read that to you. In chapter 12. I'm sorry, chapter, verse 14. 14 through 17. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane persons like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So, what has always stuck with me was verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, and without it no one will see the Lord. See, God is a God of unity. And he will not dwell in a place of ununified people. He will not condone divisive people who want to build their own kingdom. Uh, the, the antidote to the disease that was presented uh, in verse 16 and 17 was verse 14. The most important thing is that we will see the Lord. It, it's the eternal home that matters. 14 was again pursue peace with all people and holiness and because without it no one will see the Lord. And that was the antidote. Let's go ahead and take a look at the end. In verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself in concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban and Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I bereaved also of both of you in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are of the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? You know, it's always sad to see the word hate in regards to other people. But that's what a heart far from God does to a person. You know, possessions and money, it brings out the worst in a person. And then you got Jacob who was told to go to his uncle Laban. You know, this was Rebecca's brother Laban, who was not exactly somebody you would want to play cards with or do business with. And we're going to see why in the next couple chapters. But some chapters back, when Abraham's servant was in search for a wife for Isaac, Laban noticed the wealth of the camels. And the gold jewelry given to his sister, Rebekah. 
and after seeing that, he was a little more friendly and hospitable, most likely more so than the average person who, who would have come in with no gold or numerous camels. And that's who he will have to stay with for a time. You know, if lessons can be seen, Rebecca was the example of someone who could have prayed, instead she pried on the situation. Instead of prayed on the situation, she pried on the situation. And, and this was a family downfall. Everyone had their part in it. And now division is the result. See, God called families to be the nucleus of our society. And when division comes into play, it always grieves him. You know, look at the story of Abraham and his nephew Lot in Genesis chapter 13. And then look at the results of the divide in chapter 19 which are both on the media page, which could be heard. But just one, it's just one of so many examples. But we remember what happened. For those of us that have heard the story, Lot had a bunch of servants with his uncle Abraham, who had a bunch of his servants. And the servants were fighting amongst each other because there was a lot of them taking up space. So there was fighting between their, their herdsmen. So Abraham decided to go ahead and offer Lot any part of land that he wanted in order to keep peace in the family. But you see, Lot would have no part of it. So Lot basically looked up and he seen this, this very lush area of land referred to as Sodom, which was Sodom and Gomorrah, across the Jordan. The Jordan Valley over there. And, and so, he up and moved. And there was a division. And Lot got himself into some trouble over there. He moved over there thinking that the grass was greener, which it was when it came to um, particular things uh, of substance over there. Um, crops, and, and it was a very flourishing land. But it was not a moralistic place whatsoever. And he went over there and he ended up getting captured during a civil war between between other uh, cities. Abraham had to rescue him and then after the rescue he continued to stay in Sodom. Shortly after, God had come down and exposed to Abraham that he was going to destroy the land because the place had gotten so out of hand that he couldn't take any more of what he was seeing. Well, Fire and brimstone rained, rained down on, on the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot and his family were able to escape. But his wife looked back as they were told not to look back as they leave. She turns into a pillar of salt. So now Lot is left with his two daughters who are basically hiding out in the mountains as Sodom and Gomorrah is burning. And the daughters decide to get their dad drunk and to lay with him and have children with their father so that way they could continue in his line. And there we have an example of a downfall. A downfall of family division that, that didn't have to be. Abraham in his day tried to keep peace. He offered him anything he wanted. In fact, that message I titled, Don't Go. And it was a good title for, for a book that, or for a chapter that really spoke volumes in this, uh, in this type of, uh, demeanor that we're reading. But again, we have so many examples. 
And and one of the most joyous things in life is to have your family together in unity and in truth, not in hypocrisy, with with hopes of getting uh, something for oneself. See, money and possessions, if lost, it can be returned, but time cannot. Okay, time cannot be returned. A day or a year lost cannot be returned. And the most important thing is the eternal time. See, if that, if that too is lost, it cannot be returned. There is, there is eternal time. There is, there's no temporary time in eternity. And I pray, I pray that what we see in the Word will change our lives. And more importantly, bring one another into God's presence by a personal relationship with Him. Because no one, no one gets left behind. No one, no one wants to be left behind. God doesn't want anybody to be left behind. We all go home. And that is the key of this ministry. Not to, not to preach to the choir, but to equip the choir to make the Lord known. And to make Him known for, to those who may have never heard Him before or His word. And to make sure that to make sure that they get to, to go home into eternity, because God loves and wants everyone, which is why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to die for the sins of this world. And if you want to receive eternal life, there's only one way to do so. And that one way is to receive Him in prayer and in faith. Everything we do after is just a blessing. But we must receive Him in faith. He said that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they've been born again. And what that means is that we must receive Him in our lives and our hearts in order to make it. And this was out of the words of the Lord Himself. So I want to give you the opportunity because we serve a God of invitation. And our God wants to invite us all into His presence. So I want to give you a ticket right now. If you want to take that and say a prayer with me, and I, I, I ask you to do so in this prayer and the say it of truth of your heart. Because God knows when we're being true or when we're not. So repeat after me. Dear God, Please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to cleanse me of my sins, Lord. And Lord, I want to thank you for receiving me, Lord. And Lord, I receive you as my Father, as my Savior. And Lord, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for me, Lord. So, Lord, I invite you into my heart and my life, Lord. And I ask, Lord, for you again to receive me into your kingdom when my time comes. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, may God keep you. May he bless you. May he use you. And may you seek him all the time. And I pray that that God will use you in so many mighty ways. And I pray most of all that, that again, 
that everyone will make it. So may God keep you, and may he bless you in this time on earth. Take care.